Welcome to 2F Talking Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Coffey. That new music intro was done by my friend, Ian Davis. He made it for me, so if you're hearing that, it's something that I've been wanting to do for the show for a very long time, and he was gracious enough to make that for me. So thank you, Mr. Ian. I appreciate it. It is August the 8th. It is 10.53 in the morning, Sunday morning. And my co-host for this episode is my wife, who I've drafted her in uh, to do another episode with me, my wonderful wife, Amanda. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Josh. I was wondering if I was going to get any other introduction other than my wife, but I appreciate that. Wonderful. Wonderful wife. We'll just Um, lie to them. That's fine. That's right. Uh, The title for this episode, which this is the 15th episode, is 15 Men on a Dead Man's Chest. Probably some people would think I'd go with 15 Minutes of Fame, but uh, I thought this would be better. Uh, That is from Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, which was written in, what, I think, what, 1883, I think? I can't remember. I got it written down, but it's small. Then it was expanded on in a poem, Derek, by young E. Ellison, or Allison, in 1891, who wrote that for the Little Courier Journal. Yeah, something to look up. It has nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about. So, but anyway, so it's been a probably a two-month gap in between my podcast episodes, which is longer than what I wanted, but we were, as a family unit, I think COVID had all the restrictions went away, and so we had a vacation. We've been enjoying all the things that COVID kind of took away from us, and put on hold for the past year and a half. That's right, going out and about and stuff like that. And this is just a hobby, something that, you know, I do and I just it's been put on the back burner, but I want to try to get back into it doing at least, you know, an episode every 2 weeks or something like that. So I will try to do that. If not, then it'll just be whenever I get to it. But since we were talking about COVID and uh, we're having the Delta variant and the big push to get everyone vaccinated, I guess we still have to talk about that a little bit, the the COVID life. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. I've really enjoyed the, I don't know, the freedom or, you know, we've just kind of put it, like you said, on the back burner for your other stuff. And it's been there, but we haven't really talked about it. We've enjoyed it, um, being able to visit with family and friends that we've not been able to see. Um, we're very thankful for the, I'm very thankful for the small bubble that we've had um, of people that we've got to see. but. I've enjoyed being able to see the kids kind of branch out a little bit and do the things that they really want to. And I'm afraid that it's going to change again. I'm not looking forward to that. That's the big fear because, you know, they're starting to do masking again. And, you know, the thing was, like, if you get the vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask. Now they, because I guess people were not going by the honor code. (laughs) So everyone just said, well, I don't need to wear a mask if you're not wearing a mask. And. It's uh, it's bringing back a lot of fear that, you know, potential lockdowns again, stuff like that. And I don't think that'll happen because we had the vaccine. It's just, are they going to make it mandatory for you to get the vaccine? And, of course, we've been vaccinated. You know, um, we've gotten our shots and we're not anti-vax. It's just, how long can this keep going on? <laughs> and I'll be honest, you know, I've said it before, you know, I probably wouldn't have vaccinated you know, as quickly as I did, you know, especially since then 
they lifted the mask mandate, you yeah. know, shortly after. If I'd known that was even on the horizon, I might not have. I might have waited. But, you know, each thing, you know. And I don't even think it's the honor code. I think it's it goes back to grade school. Nobody wants to look different, you know. So if you're wearing a mask, then you're probably not vaccinated. So everybody's going to know you're not vaccinated. Or nobody wants to be the only one. You know, I took yeah. the kids to the pool yesterday and they wanted, Charlie wanted to do something and jump off the diving board. And it was, she didn't want to be the only one because nobody else was doing it. And I said, I promise if you do it, everyone else will follow. And sure enough, the, after her first jump, a line formed and it was constant. You know, nobody wants to be the one that looks different. Yeah, that that group mentality, you know, you want to be around people and feel safe. Uh I don't know. I mean, there's just, I've said it before on the podcast and, and I mean, I think this whole thing has just been a cluster dud or whatever because the politics has gotten behind it and it's just made everything so much worse. And it's, you know, when it's used politically as a weapon to try to defeat the other side, it just, we've known people that, you know, had the virus that were in the hospital for a very long time. And so it, it's real. Now, whether you want to get the vaccine or not, I mean, that, I mean, that's on you. But, I mean, I slow dragged my feet to get it. <laughs> I did. And uh, just because, you know, it felt rushed, but, you know, end up getting it and, you know, I'm, I'm fine. Um, I don't know. That you know of. That I know of, I don't feel strange. I mean, I always joke that I was wanting to wait and see if everybody turned into the zombie, and you actually got the vaccine before me. I did, yeah. And, uh, and I did have um, a little bit of um, reaction to it. Um, my face broke out, you know. When you take that mask off and somebody says, what's wrong with your face? That's what every yeah, young woman wants to hear. And, um, um, my face broke out, um, and I still have I thought have you some. died. Yeah. You know, when you call the hospital and they say to call the ER and the ER says call the health department and they're all saying, um, we don't really know. And then they say, um, could you call us on Monday and let us just let us know you're okay? Because they're expecting you're not going to be. It makes you a little nervous. But um, we definitely came out on the other side of it you yeah. know, so far that we know. But now we're just kind of waiting to see what the plan will be for, you know, for our children. You know, we have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old who are both in the public school system and I know I, for one, and starting to just get nervous about what uh, but decisions will be made. They've had to get vaccines for other stuff. Yes. And so it's already on the table that to go to public school, you have to get certain vaccines. And it feels like they're going to be making the push for this. That Is it mandatory for 12, 17-year-olds? It is not. It's, it's, it's still it's just recommended, recommended, just like a That's lot of right. other things. So it's not mandatory this time um so i don't know um yeah getting the kids back in school i'm curious to see how it's going to play out because there's still the at home option they can have if there's a big outbreak but right now they're saying that the outbreak that's this delta variant is really affecting unvaccinated people and i mean i don't know i just, the, I just wish it all would go away but the at home option is not really an at home option you know because we are not able to give that full-time at home option we're yeah. a, a little piece here a little piece there and yeah. you know i'm okay with the masking in school as long as they do away the social distancing i think that's the big thing i'm i can live with them they can live with it they, our kids did amazing with the mask 
it's that being so separate and that mentality of, no, you can't go near that person. You can't help that person because you have to stay so far away from them. I'm against that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they definitely handle wearing a mask better than the uh, you know Most we adults. adults have. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Hopefully, you know, it, it's gone on a lot longer, not what I thought it would go, and there's no telling how long it will go if the virus keeps mutating. You know, we have the Delta, and then they're talking about something that starts with the L, the Lamberto or whatever, and then potentially more. Um, I don't know. It's just tiring. And uh, at a certain point, you just become numb to it, just if anything. Um, any negative thing that affects you, at a certain point, you become negative and you just don't want to deal with it anymore, so you just ignore it. So I think a large part of the country is already at that. So <laughs> I just know, like, for our jobs, you know, you have to take it serious because yeah. we both interact with the public. And, you know, so that's kind of always at the – I've always had coworkers that, you know, believe in the conspiracy theories and all this other stuff and it's just like I can't go to that world anymore um, I think it's bigger than that now that you know hey yeah especially since we we do know people that have had the virus that have gotten sick that have been in the hospital for a long time and I mean it's real yeah, it yeah, is real it's just I think a large part of it would help if people would understand and it goes not just with COVID it goes with any sickness of you know, walking into a business or something and saying, I've got COVID, well, stay home. That's you right. know, but I mean, we've both dealt with people that have had the stomach bug, the flu, I mean, anything, that's, that's, but they're out and about. They're I out mean, and about, they come to family reunions. You, you know, know, that kind of thing. People. So, I mean, it has nothing like, to do that's with... That's how viruses spread. Right. It has nothing to do with COVID itself. It's if people would respect other people, you know, because you don't know who you're coming up to, that mm -hmm. what they're dealing with and what they're taking home to their families and everything. So, like I said, I don't want it to seem like if you've got COVID, stay away. It's basic, common courtesy. If you're sick, stay home. And that was the the, the biggest thing that I was hoping would change from this because they did have short-term laws that if you were sick, you were able to stay home. Uh, a lot of jobs don't give you that. Like if, you, if you're sick, you stay home, you don't get paid. You miss a day of pay, and that's hard for people. And so I was hoping that practice would change because, you know, if we really are worried about stopping the spread of illnesses and stuff like that, then, you know, you need to be able to l allow people to stay home when they're sick. And so whether it be, you know, a, you know, forced paid sick days to for companies to do or something like that, I think the government was talking about that for a time. And Which is all great, except just like everything else in life. One bad seed ruins it for everybody else. I, I, you know, I agree like with that 100%. The firefighter yeah. on the news, you know, he said he was sick and was at a family and a resort and, yeah, you know, got yeah, like thousands yeah. of dollars in pay for being off while he was sick, you know. But then you crack down on the bad apples. You don't make, you know, you don't crack down on the, you know, that but, everybody else is But that's what I'm saying rules. is it's, you know, one ruins it for everybody. I, I understand that. But then you make those people pay. That's the way I've always felt. Like, I don't make a, you know, this big, you know, wide range enacting punishment on everybody for a couple of bad seeds. But, you know, that generally is what happens. I, I agree with that. Um, another thing I had on here to talk about besides COVID stuff, and it kind of does have some COVID stuff involved with it, I guess, is uh, there was a conspiracy theory that the uh, the pillow, my pillow guy, that Mike Lindell, I think that's his name, said that Trump was going to be reinstated 
as president here in August on the 13th. Have you heard that? No, but I probably don't listen to the same well, kind of you don't listen to what I intel that you listen to. I, that, I'll, I'll call funny. it intel. So you're aware of the QAnon stuff that happened during yes. the, the election, okay? Yes. So that uh, that just kind of disappeared and, as exa- exactly. Everybody, but there, there are still there's still a movement that believes that Trump is is going to be reinstated as president, and they think it. it the dates changed. It's you know went from January, February, March. Now it's been pushed back. I think even one time it was in June. Now it's in August, and I kind of. Uh, well, you got to keep it in short sight. Yeah, sure. I know. I uh, well, they keep moving it. I just always think it's fun because there's actually still people that believe that that Trump will be reinstated as president, and you know I don't know. But what well, how this ties in what we we're talking about the vaccines and COVID and stuff. If you remember when Trump was president, he was pushing these new miraculous vaccines that they were going to be a game changer. And the Democrats at the time were like, well, if he's recommending we take a vaccine, we're not going to take it. And then when Biden becomes president, all of a sudden the vaccines are good. They're trying to push it on you. It tells you it's been weaponized politically. But if you were a Trumper, he, Trump was endorsing the vaccines. He even got the vaccine himself. Biden, you know, they were against it. Now they're for it. So it, it just, it, the vaccines, like, like my parents, I don't know if they listen to this podcast or not, but like they, they don't have the vaccine, and I I just I've tried talking. It's to been them made very clear that, that, that they're they not going to get. That's get exactly the they will that, not get the vaccine. I feel that is absolutely their right. Yes, of you know course. I had the same conversation. My mother mm-hmm. did choose to get the vaccine, but as we discussed, you know, in a not so delicate manner, is it was her right, but there was a big difference between her next quality of life for the next thirty years. Yeah, you know. Versus what it will be for me versus our children and stuff like that. You know, Um, like I said, no offense to that. Like I said, I did get the vaccine, but that was one of those early discussions because my mother got it earlier than even I did by far. But, you know, you have to feel comfortable with it. And I respect that, you know, especially, you know. Mainly with your mother. She's not necessarily out and about with the public as much. No, she no. Other than going to the grocery store and, and running errands today. Interaction as well. And, and we she still wears her mask. Uh, I, my understanding, she still wears her mask when she goes out. Because she, her and dad are in the vulnerable population as far as age. And, and again, but they understand it. So therefore, they are taking the That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, um, I don't know. I mean, you you can't, and even then, you know, that's my mom and dad. I'm not mad at them. It's, you know, you try to talk to them, and you can tell, you can tell when someone's not going to give. So why try to force it if you know they're not going to give and, and cause a rift? I mean, that's what And they're not hiding to, their heads in the No, sand. they're I mean, not, no. They watch the news. Our, our nine-year-old comes home and quotes the news and that's right. can probably tell you more about what's going on on the news than most adults are, which... We're very thankful for. We've jokingly said maybe she should back off, but you know, there's always not good things on there. But she's being no, educated and she's wanting true. to know. It depends what's going on what news you're watching, though. But but I understand know. that. But she's still getting that's true information, yeah, and she's asking right. questions and talking about it, that's which right. is the way it should be. That's right. That's the way it should be. Um, yeah, but anyway, so we'll uh, we'll see what happens on the thirteenth. I guess. Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's talking about how he may run in twenty twenty four. Oh no! Our, uh, again, you know, our daughter. Um, we were driving, and one of those little pop up 
sales tents um, already had Trump 2024 signs and everything. And she said, look at that. The people are so excited that he's coming back in 2024. They're ready for oh, it. I see. So, I mean, and that was a few months ago. So I'm a, they're ready for it. I don't want to vote for either one of them. I, I, I don't know. If but, you could just take the politics out of government, it'd be a whole lot better. It's not going to happen. But I can dream. Yeah, anybody can. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll uh, transition, Amanda, to something that I'm going to find a lot of humor. You may not enjoy this, but I love this section that I added it, and it is things that make us laugh. See, I pushed that button, and there's laughter in the background. We can't hear it. But on the podcast, we're going to hear it. Do you so. hit that button in real life all the time when I you're trying to tell your horrible dad jokes? <laughs> that we watched. Flat. So we, we had family friends over, Alan and Kate and Towns and, and Little Alden. And uh, what? What? It doesn't what? matter. Maybe people don't want their last names on these shows. Oh, uh, why? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, they're family friends. <laughs> And we watched uh, the Jungle Cruise, uh, the new Disney movie, The Rock, and uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm sorry. And uh, his character said a lot of great uh, dad jokes in that movie. And you all laughed at that. So you laugh at him, but you won't laugh at us. That means we laugh at how bad they fall flat, okay. even with the people he was telling them to. Okay. Well, the reason why I did uh, the added the things that make us laugh section to the, to the podcast. I did start at the second one because I felt. You know, laughter's the great cure-all. Um, a good joke, or even a bad joke, I think is funny. And uh, it's a great way just to ease the tension and to you know make you forget about you know negative stuff going on and just remember the good things in life. But I'm a fan of comedy and, and comedians, and I have three jokes from three different comedians, Amanda, that I'm going to read, and you can react however you want. You can laugh. So the first one's from George Carlin. You, of course, you know who he is. He was... Rufus and Bill and Ted's, right? Okay. And great. One of the smartest stand-up comedians ever. And uh, this is one of his jokes. There are three kinds of people. Those that can count and those who cannot. She wants to laugh. <laughs> That's a good joke. Uh, Norm MacDonald. This one's from him. Of course, he's my favorite comedian. And uh, he's had a lot of short-lived uh, podcasts and TV shows and stuff like that. Was on... Saturday Night Live for a long time and uh, ended up getting fired from Saturday Night Live for refusing to uh, take it easy on O.J. Simpson when all that murder trial was going on and stuff like that. But this is one of his jokes. He says, when I was younger, that's when I was in good shape. I was in my peak physically con condition when I was like one. Man, you should have seen me back then. <laughs> She's wanting to laugh. <laughs> Only because I know who you know Norm is, and that's just it. Probably was the peak of his life. <laughs> probably. Uh, Stephen Wright. He is uh, probably one of the drier comedians out there, and uh, had the weird hair. And uh, you'll you'll like this one though. I I was thinking about you and. When I got says, the man will probably think this is funny. This is one of his jokes. It says, "I was Caesarian born." Can't really tell. Although when I leave a house, I go out the window. <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> so, so wrong. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, that was funny. Why do you not laugh at that? Because <laughs> it's so wrong. <laughs> so, um, we were, when we were talking about COVID earlier, when Amanda got the vaccine, this is kind of a funny story. I... I think I let slip that I thought you had died. 
And uh, yeah, so hilarious. Uh, it was pretty fun. I'm not really at that point where it's a laughing moment <laughs> yet, but I'm glad you are. So she got the shot, and she was having a reaction to it, and uh, her face and stuff like that. And so yeah, there's a little concern. But I remember coming to bed, and this was shortly after. Was it? Was it? It was that night. It was that night. You know, after yeah. my, you yeah. know, everybody had been concerned about me. Yeah. My mother made me come to her house so she could watch me yeah. while I took the, you know, the medicine to try to alleviate. I come home thinking my sweet, caring husband is gonna, yeah, really appreciate and take care of me. Well, not so much. Okay. Anyway, so, <laughs> so Amanda goes to bed before me, and uh, generally always has. Um, and so I don't really think anything about it. But when I come to bed that night, I, I remember getting in the bed and for like a second, I don't even know a, a split second, I'm thinking, she's dead. And I reach out to touch her because <laughs> it didn't seem like she was breathing. I was like, she, she's crapped out on me. <laughs> so I reach over to touch her and uh, sure enough, uh, she's alive. She. And he seems really disappointed by that. But what makes it worse is he wakes me up. I said, what? He said, oh, I was just checking on your arm because my arm did hurt. And I thought, you idiot. Why would you touch my arm to see whether I'm, you know, in pain? So I go back to sleep. The next morning, I say something to him about it. He said, oh, I thought you had died. So I was just checking to see. I to make did, sure you're but, <laughs> did he say anything to me or check on me again? No. He just let me go I on think, back to I sleep. I thinking, okay. She didn't die yet, but no, maybe. No. So, yeah, we're not really into that laughing moment yet. But I'm glad you enjoyed it. It is funny. See, there's it, it, it's differences between sleep with us, I guess, because, you know, I can sleep through anything, and like thunderstorm, you'll get up and you'll you know you'll pace and look. I'll sleep right through it because you know it, it doesn't bother me. So those negative situations, I checked you were alive, and I knew better than to try to stir you to wake you up more. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's the mom in me yeah. that you know you're always on, you know high alert for any sound whatsoever. So. Which is why it bothers me that sometimes our son is getting up at like 6 o'clock in the morning and I don't realize it until I come downstairs. He's getting a little sneaky and I'm not comfortable with that. He's uh, He's gotten very good at it because, uh, of course, we still have uh, baby monitors in our children's rooms. So just, you know, we keep turning them on at night so if we hear them because, you know, they cry out. We uh, The bedrooms, the way we have it set up, we're upstairs, they're downstairs. And... Uh, what the, who, nothing. What, who, nothing. No one nothing. is going to know. Matter. Okay. Anyway, so uh, so if they need to call out for us, you know, we can get up and uh, and hopefully without waking up the other one. That's our main thing is that they can. That's exactly right. Reach out know. to us and we don't have to wake the whole house up. That's right for something small. But so he has uh, Jonathan is uh, he's like clockwork and uh, where. During the week, I'm the one that usually gets up first for for work to get ready, and then you know the kids and the man to get up. But on the weekend, Jonathan is still synced into waking up, uh, like around what six? six. Yeah. So, uh, but during the week, you have to drag him out of the that, bed. That's that's what it feels like. But, but I guess that's just normal kid. Yeah, but he's uh, taken to enjoying his. Uh, 
And we don't even know exactly what time he gets up. He just tells us how many shows he's watched, and then you have to figure it out from that. Because so, it's a great way for him to catch up on his TV. So, uh, Which I understand. You, it's nice to have those quiet moments before anybody interrupts you. Of course, you know, once everybody else is up and his shows are done, then it's free reign, and he will interrupt anybody and everybody in what they're doing. That's exactly right. So it, we try not to discourage him from having those his quiet time. His quiet time. Because it's also <laughs> our quiet time. <laughs> but anyway, um, do you have anything else you want to add to the things that make us laugh? No. Any funny stories? No, I have nothing right now. I'm sorry. I just laugh at our day-to-day with our children. That's you know, true. It's just the small things. You know, I have another funny uh, bedtime story. Um, so when me and Amanda first got married, I, of course, I haven't done this in a long time, but I was a very combative sleeper, right? Good times. Yeah, yeah good times. And uh, I don't even know what you call it, but there, there was a medical term for it. You call it where like you have these vivid dreams, and then you like you physically you react. just lash out or react or whatever. And so that happened a couple of times. <laughs> but, anyway, but anyway, the one I'm talking about, this one is I remember, and I've told this to several of my friends. And so I had this vivid dream that I was in this forest digging for this treasure chest and uh, digging through the dirt, finally got the rope handle from the chest and was trying to pull it and it just would not give. And I just remember the struggle of doing it. And sure enough, what I was actually pulling on was Amanda's pillow from out underneath her head. And uh, I finally unlatched it and I woke up and realized what I was doing and you know she wasn't too happy with me when I when I did it but yeah it's really surprising that we didn't end up going to like separate beds early in our marriage between the, the twin ceiling beds. of my That's right. um, pillow and the occasional you know arm caught flying out and That's hitting right. me and That's stuff right. like that you know <laughs> one time I was convinced I was gonna have a black eye but you know it's those small things and I was sleeping <laughs> That's a convenient, <laughs> convenient argument. I'm pretty sure it doesn't hold up in a court of law. Well, I, haven't, I haven't done that. It was just like during the first, what, few months, maybe? Yeah. Just the getting used to each getting other. Getting used to each other. Now it's And now, you know, he puts a pillow between us when he comes to bed. And, that's right. You know, that's right. Have he protects me. That's yeah. right. That's what, that's what, we'll that's what it's really about. That's what it is. That's right. So we'll move on from the things that make us laugh, and we'll go to... Uh, Cult movie discussion, Amanda. This is a movie I think we both like, although for different reasons, probably. Uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, uh, 2010 romantic action comedy, uh, was directed and produced and co-wrote by Edgar Wright, one of my favorite directors. He did Shaun of the Dead and and uh, Hot Fuzz and some other movies. A uh, very talented director. It's based on a graphic novel by Brian Lee O'Malley, uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. And it stars a lot of famous people. Uh, Michael Sarah, Mary Winston, uh, Karen Culkin. Is that his name? It's one yeah, of the Culkin. Karen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many others. Chris Evans, Brandon Ruth, uh, Brie Larson, Jason Schwartzman. A lot of famous people were in this movie that was a box office dud. It only earned $48 million, million, but it's since become a cult classic. And actually, last or earlier this year in April, they re-released it in the theater for a short time. And there's supposed to be an Ultra HD Blu-ray that's supposed to be issued on it. But it's a movie that 
for whatever reason, I, I love it. It's uh, just tickles my funny bone. It's just the visual style, the humor, uh, everything. It definitely has your humor. That's exactly a lot right. Of dry jokes yeah. that will either hit right on the money with somebody, or they will completely fall flat. That's right. But uh, for people that haven't watched it, uh, Scott is a bassist for Sex Bomb, a band that's trying to make it. And the movie's essentially about his love life. He uh, meets this girl, Ramona, who uses his head, his, his dreams, as a short pathway for her mail-delivering uh, job or her package-delivering job. And he becomes enchanted with her, and they start to date. And chaos ensues due to the League of Evil Exes, who Scott must battle to uh, be able to date Ramona. But uh, it's a great movie. Uh, has great music that uh, Beck helped uh, produce. Uh, a lot of video game and you know, nerd culture uh, references, stuff like that, which you know I, I love. But uh, you probably like it because Chris Evans is in it. I mean, I enjoyed it <laughs> prior to him showing up in yeah. the movie. You know, part of why I probably enjoyed it is because you know, that was after we were married when it came out. But, you know, not that Josh and I were ever, you know, a wild, outgoing couple by any means, or people by that means. Um, but there were a few times that we actually went out and saw the midnight showing. Oh, yeah. And everything, you know, which to me was a huge ordeal because we would worked all day and went out and things like that. And so we, and watched we actually got that early release because of Dave. Dave Tack at the comic yes. store. Yeah, we all, a group. A big group went uh, and everything. My comic book So, you know, friends. it was already yeah. a fun experience, not just yeah. a typical date night, you know. So, that was always a special movie just because of, and I did enjoy it because I was still getting used to the the what, the nerd culture. world. Yeah. <laughs> culture, yeah. Um, culture, which, you know, is very popular, but I was not as accustomed. I didn't grow up playing video games, so I was still getting accustomed to a lot of that. So, it was some of it was new, and I appreciated it more. I probably appreciated it a whole lot more because of, you know, our relationship versus yeah. if it's been something I'd watched on my own, I probably would have been a dud. Yeah. Um, you know, until the Chris Sevens part, and then that made the whole movie. You know, <laughs> who needs the rest of it? Captain America. Yeah. Good to see our early Captain America. It's uh, yeah, it's it. I don't know we. Just everything about the movie, there's the, the actors, even, you know, at the time, there's people that didn't think that Michael Sarah could play Scott. I think he did a pretty good job. Um, you know, maybe not the best looking dude out there, but he, I think he did a good job. But it goes along with every other movie, you know. Yeah. You know, the wrong boy or whatever, or the... The not-so-pretty girl. It's the reverse roles and yeah, everything. Yeah. Ends up with whatever. The only difference is he didn't have to change who he was. That's right. You know, to end up with the girl of his dreams. <laughs> you know, so it was a reverse, except better off for him. He grew as a person in that movie. If you watch the end, he has yeah, to battle himself. but he didn't himself. have to go through a major yeah. makeover, such as oh, okay. everything that women go through to no, get to like that You mean like pretty part. woman and stuff like that, okay. Basically, any romantic comedy kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just saying, like... He changed a little bit, but Ramon also saw him more of who he was. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Move on. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is, uh, of course, Brandon Ruth, who played Superman. He's also the Adam in the CW superhero shows. 
he played one of Ramona's uh, boyfriends, and he was, was he the ve- blonde guy. Yes, was the, the vegan. Guy? Yeah, yeah. And if uh, vegans have superpowers because they're better than normal people because they don't you know eat. They're pure. They're pure. And uh, during the battle, of course, Scott's able to trick him and win. And of course, this movie's been out a long time. If you watched it, yeah, we're going to spoil it a little bit for you. Uh, doesn't take anything from it. Watch it; it's a good movie. But so. It come to find out that he hasn't been a vegan. He he he's actually been eating, you know, like chicken parmesan and some other stuff that you know contains uh, animal product. The eggs. Or exactly, and uh, so he gets busted by the vegan police. And one of the vegan police is Thomas Jane. He's one of my favorite uh, actors. Who was Detective Miller in The Expanse, and he played The Punisher. Been a lot of stuff, and just. Little funny thing when the, the vegan police bust him, drain him of his powers, they skip away and go, Yeah, and they give each other a high five. That's just one of the funnier things I can still remember. Um, bread makes you fat. That's uh, Michael, when Scott and Ramona, he, he makes her some garlic bread. And she, this is good. He's like, I could eat bread every day. And she's like, Bread makes you fat. And he's like, What? Bread makes you fat? And he gets, you know, terrified from that. And, uh, but, at the end, Scott's struggling with uh, saying "I love you" and uh, the L word, and he he says because I'm in lesbians with you, I really mean it, and because he can't say love, he, he says lesbians. So <laughs> it was a good movie, all of it. Yeah, um, like I said, a lot of good air- characters that you do yeah. not see them in the regular. For I sure. always thought was funny was uh, the Culkin. Plays Karen. Scott's Karen. Yeah, he plays Scott's roommate, gay roommate. Yeah. Who? Uh, this, I don't think Scott realizes it. No, he does. He's well, okay I with mean, it. it. But he he, he, he <laughs> makes it a go of converting people to to to, to the gay side or whatever, which I just thought was a it was a funny running joke in the movie because he steals this one girl's boyfriend or whatever, and it's just you know just some funny stuff. But uh, anyway, uh, anything else you want to add about the movie? No, Chris Evans, wonderful. That he was that particular scene where he plays one of uh, Ramona's ex boyfriends. That was a funny period because he plays an action star in the movie doing a film, and so Scott Alley has to battle him. He has to battle the stunt doubles that look like him, and there's a lot of great funny exchanges that happen with that. But uh, anyway, yeah, so definitely recommend you watch Scott Pilgrim versus the World, um, or even read the graphic novels. The they're, they're, it's an amazing work, good movie that gets overlooked, but it still holds up today, especially the visual style. Um, I think when we watched it, that's, we didn't watch it in 3D, did we? No. But there was the option to do that, and I bet that movie would have been awesome in 3D. Um, yeah, 3D, there's a time when we, that was like going to be the big thing, and then it's slowly gone away, I guess. I'm not so, going to lie. I'm glad. It made me nauseous. Yeah. I couldn't handle if it. If the movie, what we watched... The Titans yes. movie, Clash of the Titans, yes. in the theater when the three D first came out, and that was a little. If it wasn't done well, then it wasn't worth watching. Except I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Just we watched several movies. Um, again, one of those um, early releases and midnight showings and stuff like that, and it just I didn't do well. So I'm not yeah. sad to see it go. Yeah. Well, uh, if we got nothing else to add, we'll go on to scripture, Amanda, and uh, we're both people of faith, and uh, I've used this podcast to bring 
my point of view on scripture, uh, and I don't mean like my point of view, I mean like where I feel God leads me to. And uh, just to share it um, in a, just an open way. Um, not to, not try to try to be pushy, but just say, okay, this is what this means to me. Um, and just, if you don't want to believe that's fine, you know, we'll just, but uh, the, the way I've always felt, if you don't want to believe something, that's fine, but be open to stuff and research it because something as crucial as life, um, death, I think you would want to know the answers to that, you know, if, if you don't believe, to me, if you don't believe that there is an afterlife, you don't believe that there is a God or, or whatever, to me, that's terrifying. I think I'd want to live forever <laughs> if, if that was happening. I just wouldn't want it just to be a black screen and nothing. So, um, but anyway, so, you know, I, like I said, I use this scripture just to, to show what I believe to be the, the, how God is leading me to show the, the true Christian faith because a lot of the modern uh, church is, well, we'll just get into it with the scripture because I'm, I'm going to wrap it in with this, but I'll be reading uh, Matthew 15, 8 through 11. And a little background about chapter 15 is the little header in my Bible. It, it says God's commandment versus man's tradition, which I, I think is funny. And at the beginning of 15, the, the Pharisees and the teachers who were against Jesus because he was becoming popular, he was attracting people to him, and, you know, it, it was a new thing coming. And they had this habit of carried on from the Old Testament as far as the rules about eating clean stuff, what's unclean, and it, they made it more than what it is. Um, anyway, I'll just, I'll just read this real quick. Uh, says, these people honor, this is Matthew 8, uh, Matthew 15, 8 through 11. says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. Jesus called proud him and said, listen and understand what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. Um, the Pharisees and a lot of time you would think the modern church is caught up in human tradition and how things have always been. And that's how they should be. And they perceive scripture and life through blinders. Like they don't examine the whole picture. They just focus on this one issue. And what they were trying to trap Jesus with is like the, they weren't washing their hands before they were eating which, you know, hygiene-wise, you should probably do, right? Um, but that was like this big taboo. And he was basically calling them into a greater lesson of our actions in it and inactions is what really defines us, how we live our life, our, our, our actions, you know, motivated by uh, purity, uh, noble, are you acting out of love? Are you sure you're right? Um, are you trying to trap up someone to make them feel bad or negative or, or something like that? And I don't know, when you try to think about the modern church, that 
some of the problems that I've had with it is that we do put these traditions of things that have always been, because I grew up, and of course being Amanda grew up in different splinters of the Christian faith, right? I was a mainstream Christian church. You were a ba- you were Southern Baptist, right? And, and that was, I didn't even start that until I was 16. So, I mean, even that was very limited. It was a holiday. I was a holiday Christian. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, and there's so many different, you know, you got your Methodist, you know, your Pentecostal, your Presbyterian. There's so many things that we do differently. Non-denominational. Non-denominational, that's right. Um, it's, and traditions come with those churches yes. that maybe not necessarily motivated purely by Scripture or it's an interpretation of Scripture. And I just always found find that so funny and almost you don't even want to deal with it because it, it gets away from what we should be doing on this earth is emulating the teachings of Christ, being kind to other people, and trying to live a life that we inspire and and lead people to God. And I'm not, in no way am I trying to, you know, bash. I, you know, I've talked many times in the past, we're not trying to, or I'm not trying to bash a church or anything like that. It's just that, are we truly following what Christ laid out for us? And what he's teaching here is that there's this habit of you have to do this to be this. And he's saying, no, you don't have to do this to be this because we're fallen creatures. We're human beings that make mistakes. There's a little bit of grace and uh, mercy given to all of us to, to live the life the best that you can do. And so that's why I always try to tell people, do the best that you can do. You know, take one step at a time, do the best that you can do. Do as I say, not as I do. You don't follow the man. It's that's right. the yeah. belief. Yeah. And I think that's that's what Jesus was trying to inspire in all of us. And we kept, and especially the Pharisees and the, the religious elite of that time, was constantly trying to trap him up and not seeing what he was doing and the message he was trying to bring because they were afraid of losing power. And, you know, some of that is wrapped up today, you know, because, you know, your churches become little country clubs, stuff like that, where certain people are used to being in positions of authority and they don't want to give it up. And, you know, I often talked about, you know, there was a time when I thought I was going to go into the ministry uh, and it just didn't work out. And, you know, I often said that, you know, I'll, if you want to know, I'll tell you. One of the reasons was I was tired of the, the human power dynamic structure in a church as far as trying to help people. Um, just the the hurdles you have to go through that just to, you know, try to help someone that's in a financial situation or or trying to have something done that you, you know, you feel led by God that would help bring people to God, you know, you know, events, stuff like that. And just the, uh, the pushback you get from that because it's not the way that someone wants it to be done. And so that's a lot of the problems that we have is it's, it's my point of view. This is what I want done in a church. And you don't think about everyone else in that church, right? That's right. But it is hard to let go of the traditions. Sometimes the traditions bring comfort. And I understand that. 
you know, it's just hard to break away from that. But that's why you see so many churches break up, though. Yeah. When a new minister comes in from re- after retirements and things like that, because yeah. people push back so much from change. It doesn't matter that it might be a new way, a better way, you know, for the time. But you have a lot of issues with that. I, I've never understood that because <clears throat> when a new minister comes in and they do try to change things up, more often than they do, I've never understood why, because it's, because it's the way that they're used to doing things. And it's often touted as, well, this will be good. What was wrong with the bad way? <laughs> I mean... And I think that's what... Puts <laughs> that's why them, a lot of people leave. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, is that it puts their back up because, you know, one is you're somebody new. I've been here for 20 years. I've been here for 30 years. My family's been here, and yep. this is the way we've done it. Yep. You know, where you might not stay... But you're going to come in here and... Enforce changes. And yeah. But the thing is, is often you need a new set of eyes to come in and see... Yeah, where you've been lax, stuff like that, yeah. Things need to be changed. You know, in the town that we grew up, and of course I did grow up in the, the Baptist, you know, church and stuff like that. But it would come in waves of, I don't want to say the top church, because it wasn't like that. But and it wasn't necessarily the most popular, but the numbers would fluctuate. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because well they were trying something new. This new preacher came in and brought in a new program. Well the it's well let's try the same program and then guess what? That number changed. I mean yeah. you realize but it it is a hard balance, especially I think in smaller communities, because the people are so connected. Most of them are related or know each other for Oh yeah. Six generations back, and it is harder for a newcomer to come in. Very, very hard. And uh, you know, I've thought about that. The church that I attended, you know, when you'd see new people come in and that wanted to be active in the church, and they would meet pushback from the people that were used to things going a certain way, and then the new people would leave because mm-hmm. you know they didn't feel accepted, and their idea wasn't you know had any worth or was valid. And and I've, I've never understood that. We should be open to. Uh, open to new things and that goes along with you know how much of what you know and you 100% what you believe and you believe it do you is it correct like are you challenging yourself daily to make sure okay is this correct um, do I know the history of my belief and is it accurate and we have a responsibility of believers to make sure that we're doing things right and scripturally. And this is a little aside and a little off topic, a little rant, but like it's come to light and maybe people have seen it, but how they've been finding the uh, the Native American children graves at the, uh, at the, what, what, I guess, were they monasteries? I can't remember what they were. Anyway, it's when, you know, the Catholic Church and some other, you know, uh, parts of the faith were converting Indians over and uh, to the faith very forcefully and, and very wrongly. And, uh, you know, they just found these these mass graves of children. Just think of a horrible, horrible action there that was not, you know, motivated by the love of Christ. And uh, just, you know, a, a corrupt perversion of that. And we you have to think about that. And again, are, are my actions noble and pure? Are they serving God and His intention? And uh, we use the Bible uh, 
as a as a, a blunt object sometimes to get across what we feel is God's will and it's not God's will. And, you know, Jesus clearly taught and he battled so much with the Pharisees and the other uh, religious leaders of the days. Like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And I think that if we pay more attention to what Christ did, how and what he taught and how he acted and that we realized that he was a person of authority that yes, he had, a, he had a following, he had followers and they served him, but he also served them. And so we need to remember that, that if you're in a position of leadership, you better be serving people and you better be following teachings of Christ and be willing to get down to, into the mud, so to speak, to uh, get people out instead of just having people go in the mud for you. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll wrap up scripture. Do you have anything else you want to add? I think you're right about the serving of, you know, you see that more and more um, in all the churches where the small things of visiting people who are sick. And I'm not just saying due to COVID or anything yeah, like that, yeah. but they've gone away from that. Yeah. You know, and that's not a priority. And sometimes that's your biggest priority. Not yeah. what you're saying on Sunday, but what you're doing Monday through Saturday. <clears throat> That's right. You know, are you making the calls? Are you, you know, those are often the most crucial moments. Yeah. It's not necessarily nothing against the preachers and everything. I'm not saying what you're saying on Sunday morning is not important. Sometimes that drives at home, but it's whenever they're most vulnerable, when you have those quiet times with them, you know, when they're sick or whenever they're lost. And I think that that's a dying art. And I don't want to call it an art, but it's something special. I mean, that's what and I think Christ that did. Christ went out and he administered to the sick, to the people that were thought as not worthy to go to. I mean, Samaritans and some so much other stuff that he did that uh, we close ourselves off to. And, and you know, I, I've the problem we have is we want to lift up ministers, pastors, you know, reverends. We want to lift them up to places of authority, you know, much like basketball coaches, stuff like that. We need to realize these are just human beings. And actually, scripturally, we all are called to be ministers of God. So there's nothing, I'm not trying to take away. These people have devoted their life to studying scripture and, 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 and spreading God's word, which is a noble thing. But they are no more important than us. And that we are called to that exact same thing, to study Scripture and go forth and spread God's Word. And uh, so often we want to just you know go to Sunday morning, Sunday night or Wednesday, maybe occasional activity. And that's all we do. And it's every day of your life. I remember uh, one of the battles at the church I was going to when I was a youth minister was there was this big ideal about a particular deacon who was a noble, godly man being criticized because he wasn't able to come to Wednesday night Bible studies and, and <laughs> or an occasional Sunday night. And it was just like, when they were like, well, he's a deacon. He should be active in church. He should be doing everything. Come find out. For one thing, he had a job where he was working long hours, but he was also doing godly stuff on the side, like mowing other people's property, giving money to people that were in need. He was, he was living his life and doing the best that he could, but he's being criticized by people, busybodies. That, the that they felt. That's that exactly right. They felt like you had to be in attendance. Like, no, that's... One thing, that building is just a building. The church is a group of people inside of it 
that are supposed to be representative of God's teachings and, and what you do outside that's what matters. Yeah, it's nice to go and gather and worship. That That's good. But you should be doing that every day, living your life for Christ every day, going out, worshiping Him, not just by singing the song, but by, by following His teachings and, and, and uh, living a godly life. So anyway, there's that rant on Scripture. So you think that was good? I think that's great. Okay. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up with a quote of the show. And uh, I like to do this. Like I said, I'm a fan of comedies. And uh, me and Amanda have different senses of humor. But that's okay, right? We, uh, some of the comedy shows I watch, she, uh, she just doesn't, doesn't care for, right? It's okay, because you poke fun at all my shows, too. That's right. So. That's what you got to do. I think you would like this show, this quote. This is a quote from the show from uh, Cheers. Okay. You like Cheers, right? Like Sam, Diane, yeah. you know, Frazier, Coach, Woody, Norm. Cliff, Norm. That's right, Norm. And Norm, that's actually who the quote's from. It says, Norm was the heavy guy. He was a uh, show regular, uh, had terrible marriage, had work problems. And uh, he was often asked when he walked into the bar, everybody would say, Norm, right? That's right. And he'd be asked by character, and whether it be Woody, Coach, or... Uh, or saying they say what's happening, Norm, and he would give a, a one liner. It's usually you know something quick off about something bad. It's uh, um, but uh, so that he was asked by Sam this particular quote. He said, "What's happening?" Norm responds, "It's a dog eat dog world. I'm wearing milk bone underwear." Hmm. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Anyway, do you want to say anything? No, our daughter just walked in, Charlie. But they've, hey, they've managed fifty-three minutes of. Yeah. I don't want to say quiet because I've watched them go from room to room. And That's everything, right. But they've handled it. One of them might not be alive at this point. Who knows? See? It's awful quiet. And I'm proud of you because our the first podcast we did, I think it was episode six. You, we just had like maybe twenty-seven minutes. It was the shortest time, but you you managed to go fifty minutes talking about stuff. I think stuff. if anybody goes through in time, they're <laughs> going to know that I had probably like six minutes of this, and and that's fine. It is your show. I'm well, just here to you know no, make you look nice. No, that's right. You did a good job. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Um, like I said, we'll I'll try to get back on a better schedule because. Um, if COVID restrictions definitely happen, then yeah, I'll definitely have a lot more. Lot we more won't be time. doing, we won't be doing a lot of stuff. We're already yeah. trying to hit like all the things that, okay, what else would we want to accomplish before it all? That's not right. Say shuts down, but before life gets a little trickier. That's right. With two kids. Yeah. But, <laughs> that's right. But anyway, I appreciate you listening. You can uh, follow the show on uh, my Twitter, uh, two up talking uh, Twitter, or you can follow my Facebook page. Uh, occasionally post about it on there. Or just you know other you know stuff that you know I post about it's funny. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, thank you for listening, and I will do my best to have a new episode within two weeks. So have a good day. Later.